0: Welcome to the podcast on the International Congress of Parkinson's Disease and Movement Disorders. We are here in Copenhagen with Dr. Mark Edwards, Professor of Neurology and Movement Disorder Specialist from the King College of London. Professor Edwards, thank you for finding time in your busy schedule to talk to us. Tell us about your session, an applied skills session on task-specific dystonia. How is the dynamic of this session?
1: So we're hoping it's going to be a really interactive session. I'm going to give a general introduction about phenomenology and pathophysiology and a little bit about treatment. Steve Frucht, who's a great expert in this area, is going to talk about treatment, particularly around a new trial of botulinum toxin. And We're going to also hear from Mr. Boulay about his experience from being a pianist and doing rehabilitation specifically in people with a musician's dystonia. And then we're going to have some interactive cases as well. So hopefully the whole session will be educational, but also one where there's opportunity to ask questions because this topic of focal task-specific dystonia is one where it's pretty mysterious, as the title would suggest. It's a mysterious disorder of motor control. And I think we've all got a lot to learn from each other.
0: Is there any innovation in the treatment of this particular form of dystonia? So
1: I think there is, but there's a lot of work to do. And there's also a lot of work to do in actually how you construct services for what's a relatively rare condition, but one where the people that you're seeing, this is their life typically. So if you take a professional musician or some professional athletes, if you take this thing away from them that's it so they need a different approach than would usually be taken for people with some other movement disorders but I think there are innovations so there's innovations in understanding more about the pathophysiology moving from just thinking about this in the normal pathophysiology of dystonia to something which has got its own pathophysiology even if it's somehow linked to dystonia in general And then thinking about treatment, particularly retraining. So how do you actually do it? And how might you integrate botulinum toxin treatment into retraining as part of a package?
0: Is there a room for neuromodulation in this field?
1: Potentially, but I think it's quite a blunt tool in some ways. If we're talking about non-invasive neuromodulation, say with repetitive TMS or things like that, there has been interest in neuromodulation from a surgical point of view, and that's followed on from pioneering work from Japan, from Mr. Tyra, who's done a lot of thalamotomies for people with task-specific dystonia and has reported really dramatically successful results. And I think working at who's appropriate for that technique or whether focused ultrasound or whether deep brain stimulation has an additional role to thalamotomy and how that fits into the whole thing of retraining and botulinum toxin, as well as actually prevention of this. So how do you help uh, music educators, musical conservatoires, etc.? how do you help them keep their students safe? How do orchestras, for example, keep their professional players safe from developing these
0: problems? Maybe there is a genetic signature on this. people as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, Christine Klein published uh, many years ago now... Uh, sort of candidate risk gene for the development of task specific dystonia i'm not aware of work that's happened since then but then there has to be a genetic component but it's about you know 0.5 to 1% of professional musicians but there is clearly something about the years of practice the type of practice and various other factors that seem to make people at risk as well as probably a genetic component too
0: yeah Definitely some environmental with genetics, mm-hmm. maybe. Do you for the differentials, for example, for functional dystonia or dystonic tremor or task specific tremors, mm-hmm. do you see anything in the field for the diagnosis? Any instrument?
1: It's a good it's a good question. I think that the first thing is for people to remain aware that there are lots of potential reasons why, for example, a professional musician might have a problem with motor control. And it doesn't always have to be task specific dystonia. So that spans the spectrum from sort of motor block, which you can often see as part of performance anxiety, through to the development of a, a more typical neurological disease. But the person, because they've got such attention to the precision of their motor control, they notice things very, very early. So Mm. I've seen that, for example, in people developing Parkinson's disease who are professional musicians, and they notice their problems sometimes incredibly early because they just pick up a little bit of subtle difference. And then through into other diagnoses like functional dystonia, there's an interesting question about whether task-specific tremor and task-specific dystonic posturing are the same thing, or are they different? tend to think they're probably much the same thing. There's an open question there. So I think these things bring into play how how it's a really fascinating area of movement disorders where there's lots and lots to work out.
0: Especially because there's some place of cerebellum in this game, right?
1: I'm I'm sure there must be. I mean, there's, there's a whole complicated interaction between the task itself. So, for example, it's not generally all musicians who develop this. So for example, guitarists, piano players seem particularly sensitive to this. Maybe it's much more common in classical musicians compared to jazz musicians, although it goes across both. So something about the task. There's something about the the periphery. So often people are over practicing. That's a risk. People who develop a peripheral injury have, have a higher risk of developing these sorts of problems. And then there's the central nervous system as well and factors like the cerebellum. And then there's the emotional side of things mm-hmm. as well. So the extent to which there's anxiety, there's abnormal attentional or focus onto practice. So there's lots of parts of this, which may be a bit different in different people, but all of those are likely to be relevant to kind of triggering this off.
0: Very interesting. And for the future, what do you think about?
1: So personally, I would love it if in every country there was a... Specialist service for people who have these sorts of problems. So for performing artists in particular, because it's very hard for the demands of their particular profession to interface with normal healthcare, and they do need specialist expertise and some speed as well no. to get diagnosis quickly and get into the right path in terms of treatment. So you know it's difficult because there's lots of different priorities in healthcare, and this is a small group of people. It's true. But Indeed. it is something which is a treatable problem. And what I think for a lot of people, if we had got people early and gotten the right access to treatment.
0: Perfect. Many thanks for your time, Professor Edwards. It was very nice to talk to you. Thank you very much for having- the views and opinions expressed by the participants in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the International Parkinson and Movement Disorder Society or their affiliated journals, Movement Disorders and Movement Disorders Clinical Practice. Any disclosures of the participants can be found within the episode description located on the MDS website.